On behalf of the people uh, here at Take Two Plus, I would just like to uh, offer our deepest sympathy uh, to the estate of Tommy Lee Jones. For those listening right now, Tommy Lee Jones actually uh, thought it was, you know, might make a few extra bucks, go to ancient Chinese secret blood donor clinic. In fairness, advertised last it week. was, it, in fairness, it was something that we advertised and promoted on the show. My lawyers are kind of telling me to distance myself personally from you guys. And I what? Think- we didn't say a goddamn word last week. You said it all. What do you mean distance from us? What? That's not what I remember. Okay, so we are talking about Psycho. Ah. Uh, this movie has, I think, 14 Psychos, which up until this time actually never... I think at the time it was a world record for the amount of Psychos in a movie. Um, and I think that's why... I could be wrong, Sean. Do you think that's why they called the movie Psycho? The following may contain harsh language, poorly communicated ideas, and does not reflect the opinions of iHeartRadio. This detective was there. Norman told him about the girl. The detective thanked him, and he went away. And he didn't come back? Didn't see the mother? Your detective told you he couldn't come right back because he was going to question Norman Bates' mother, right? Yes. Norman Bates' mother has been dead and buried in Green Lawn Cemetery for the past 10 years. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, thank you for listening to Take Two Plus, uh, the only podcast on the internet in the current legal entanglement with the estate of Tommy Lee Jones. But join us as we look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of the movies while uncovering the sexy and sometimes slutty secrets of your favorite celebrities. My name's Chris. Sean and I'm Tyler and this week we uh, conclude our Hitchcock draft 2020 Corona edition with the latest film we do the chronologically because we're scientific last movie is uh, Hitchcock's 1960 black exploitation film Psycho I think you should introduce Tyler so he can talk about the game oh, yeah, it's right. like he always forgets this part <laughs> feel so left out is, is it I thought it was you next Sean. No, it always goes Tyler and then me. Right. And then I throw it to okay. uh, So this week we looked at Psycho. Psycho! And uh, we have Tyler here to like, explain the rules. Really, it's your really first good. round pick, Tyler. Don't screw this up. This is the last episode of Take Two Plus. And uh, Tyler, um, just let's leave it on a high note, okay? So just say something. And if you how about do I it, tell like, you uh, how the rules of the game work? Will that work for you, Chris? Yeah, that's good enough. All right. Uh, sure, that sounds incredible. Let's do that. So we kicked off this series by each choosing our top three Alfred Hitchcock movies. Since then, we've been discussing one of them per episode to determine his top nine films ranked in order. Since this is the final episode, after this recording, we'll tally everyone's points based on their film standings. So, for example, if your picks end up in the one, two, and three spot, your total score is six. One plus two plus three. Golf You're rules. telling me. Uh, I am telling you. That get out your calculators. You're saying that if, if my movies are chosen as first, second, and third place, I would have a score of six. That would be a perfect score. That would be a perfect score. But that's not going to happen to any of us. We've already uh, mathematically Googled that out, unfortunately. This is getting so exciting. Um, I'm... I'm I was talking to little Jimmy on the street today. I'm like, little Jimmy, I don't have time. He's like, is it true what they're saying? And I said, what? 
and he's like, are, are the take two plus guys finishing off their Hitchcock draft uh, 2020 Corona edition with Psycho, t- uh, are, you rec- are you really recording it today? And I said, Jimmy, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Dirty night. You have a vacancy. Oh, we have 12 vacancies. 12 cabins, 12 vacancies. Hey, Sean? Yeah. Psycho, talk to me. Okay. So the plot of Psycho involves a woman named Marion, played by Janet Lee, and her lover Sam, played by John Gavin, who realize that they lack the money to settle down and live a married life. So Marion takes advantage of an opportunity to steal $40,000 from the bank where she works in Phoenix. After getting away with the money, Marion stops for the night at a rundown motel that features a Victorian mansion nearby where the motel owner, Norman Bates, played by Anthony Perkins, and his mother both live and work. That night, as Marion takes a shower, she is viciously attacked Sean, and murdered. Sean, 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 Just pretend you're not reading from your notes. Just like be like, yeah, yeah. So- Chris, 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 try writing something down for once. It might help you. Hey, that you know night, what? as Marion takes a shower. For all of our Patreon night, uh, people who uh, have video, I have a little notepad right here, as a matter point, of fact. Point form with one word doesn't always work. That <laughs> night, as Marion takes a shower, she is viciously attacked and murdered, apparently by Norman's mother. Norman discovers the crime and covers up for his mother's sins. These people then, under, uh, sorry, three people then undertake to find Marion. Her sister, Lila, played by Vera Miles, her lover, Sam, and an insurance detective who has been assigned to find the money. After discovering Who's the motel- Who's he played by, Sean? Oh, who gives a shit, really? He's After my favorite actor in that movie. Actually, the sheriff's I, probably my favorite. I mean, it's Anyways, not Perkins, that so that's questionable. We'll get into yeah. that. <laughs> How about I just finish this synopsis? After discovering the motel- <laughs> All right, Sean, go ahead. After discovering the motel, the detective grows suspicious of Norman and his mom and lets the two know that Marion has been spotted nearby. But not long after that, he too is attacked and killed by dear old mom. When Lila and Sam arrive to investigate, they uncover the truth of the matter. Norman Bates' mother has been dead for eight years and he's a schizophrenic as well as a homicidal maniac who likes to dress up as, as his departed mother. Acting with the local sheriff, they manage to bring Norman down and he's locked away for the rest of his life or at least until the start of Psycho 2, which I think takes place about 20 years later. All right, let's see. I'd love to talk about generalities, peculiarities, um, little known facts, exciting details, strange but true. I would love to have uh, background info. Hey, okay, I'm gonna rate this. I'm not gonna gonna rate this a four. I'm gonna rate it a four on the scale, okay? And that's what? below. Actually, well, I'll just wait for that later. Okay. okay. Are you rating the? Are you rating? I think now? it's going below. It's going. All right, we're gonna stop this glorious. conversation before Chris gets out of cram. All right, so let's okay. start with some random facts. Truffaut mentions that Psycho was one of two Hitchcock okay. pictures. Which... Okay, you know what, Sean? It's clear to everyone listening that you have one book, and it's the Hitchcock. Yeah, Truffaut it's called book. the Hitchcock Truffaut book. And guess what? After this week, I can't use it anymore. So shut the fuck up and let me use it one last time. <laughs> We'll make it count. <laughs> Truffaut mentions that, been making it count. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ, get the fuck out of here. Truffaut mentions that Psycho is one of the two Hitchcock pictures which uses the antagonist as its main character. This, and ironically enough, Tyler's third round pick, Shadow of a Doubt. I say that because this is also Tyler's pick. Uh, I, would argue that, I would argue that there's a case to be made that Rope, Notorious, and Vertigo also use antagonists as their main characters. Um, but yeah, Strangers on think. a Train maybe even too. Like Strangers on a Train is almost 50-50 the way this is 50-50. Yeah, well, I guess I, you could yeah. say Mary's antagonist in this movie because she's kind of a criminal. 
I would say that still, like the, the I can't remember his name now, but the one guy from Strangers on a Train is not the bad guy. I mean, he, he's more more or less a good. It's guy like fifty fifty, yeah. But I mean, yeah. Norman Bates isn't really the main focus until halfway through this film either. Uh, so we have Marion Crane as the antagonist. You don't normally see the main character. As no, no, no. She's the protagonist. She's the protagonist. The antagonist would be Norman Bates. No, she's the antagonist too. You can make she's that argument because she's, she's doing, a criminal she's doing, on the run. Right? Okay, she's, all she's right. The criminal. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Okay, all right. And you know what? I mean, guess yeah. what? If that's not hammered in, Sean, guess what? She's wearing white at the beginning when she's all nice. The, the, I know. The, the white black, sexiness. Oh, some nice black lingerie. I'm going to have to remember that for later. And yeah, I, know. I do want to talk about that later, so let's when, not get all the way into that. And yet. you know what she does when she steals it? Uh, even right before she she's do? thinking about what it? What she do? What she do? Puts on black underwear. Oh, shit. That's sexy. Represent her. Uh, naughtiness or naughtiness. Yeah, her yeah. sluttiness. <laughs> no, uh, well, John, don't say that. All right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, don't say that in 2020. No, we just okay. lost the children. Uh, we lost our yeah, G rating. We lost the uh, fuck. The All right, let's keep let's keep going with different things about this film. Uh, reviews in England were strangely unkind to this film. One of them even called it the work of a barbaric sophisticate. Hitch thinks that that person, who was a woman, might have been right. <laughs> but English he people did not like this film. He loves like just like that, like, ooh, and there was blood too. And you know, it was awful murder. Why, why do you think Hitchcock, everybody? Hey, he's, he's as British as you can get. So why do English people as critics not like it for this film in particular? I was curious. I don't really know why. He, you know, he's a brand. Alfred Hitchcock was a brand, and whenever he was uh, being interviewed or in public or whatever, uh, he played to that brand of being kind of like a, a horror maestro. But I would say Psycho is very much in that brand. I suppose it might be a little more violent than what other stuff he had done before. It's but, like, more it's still violent pretty. and more racy as well. Like opening a, opening a film with two people like post-sex in their underwear is pretty racy for yeah. 1960. It now, is, speaking, but at the same time, we're only like five or six off. years away from like the fucking sexual revolution of filmmaking and stuff. You know what I mean? Like we're not that far away. Yeah, but that's away why it was a revolution. It was, it was not done yet. Even just looking like the films we watched by Hitchcock, the past eight films, there's nothing as uh, explicit as that. Well, there was that scene rope. That caused you some trouble. No, uh, mother, my mother, uh, what is the phrase? She isn't qu quite herself today. All right, let's keep going. So despite the serious subject matter, Hitch didn't approach the filming of Psycho in a serious way. Instead, he wanted to approach it in a tongue-in-cheek sort of way. He told he told Truffaut that if Psycho had been filmed seriously, then it would have been made without mystery or suspense. Wait, in wait other words, so he he didn't make Psycho in a serious way. He didn't. He says he didn't make it in a serious way. But I don't understand. It's very. Well, if you let me, if you let me keep going. I'm no, but I'm I'm confused, Sean, because it looks like it was. It looks like a serious film. Yeah. All right. So in other words. It would have just concentrated on how mentally sick and deranged the character of Norman Bates was and placed him in more realistic scenarios. Hitch thinks that uh, he learned this lesson after making films like The Wrong Man and I Confess, where he just kind of focused in on the one character and it just became drab and boring and not interesting. So that's why he decided to do this in a more like, I don't know, I guess you might say like noir type sense where he introduces the character of Marion and stuff like that. And like, it's just, it's through the story, the, the, lens, uh, the lens of the story is through a more pulp type setting as opposed to just studying the illness of this one man. I could see that. Cause you could, even the, before you get to Norman Bates, you could play like the Marion half as just a morality tale type 
thing of like how guilt consumes you, but instead he plays a more pulpy, uh, noir detective Yeah, I think I do. I know where you're getting a disconnect, Chris, because when I was reading that too, I was like, I don't really find this movie funny. Like, I mean, and, and Hitch uses like the, the, he literally says tongue in cheek, and I don't think he's using that phrase quite properly, or at least in the context that he wants to use it. I think it's more of like what I'm saying, where like he just made it a more pulpy, entertaining film, and it could have been like more of a case study type film, which is like what The Wrong Man or I Confess is, right? Well, I think this, and I can get into it more in detail once you're done, Sean, but I think this, again, is we've been talking kind of, Hitchcock's been culminating his skills and seeing what worked in past films yeah. and applying think, yeah. it as he goes forward. And I think this is like, uh, really like the synthesis of all of that, like a ton of great things that worked in previous films coming together, including a lot You should of save that for when you want to talk about like what you like with the film. Yeah, yeah. Why should you shave it, Sean? I think we're having a nice conversation. He's like, okay, no. I'm well, gonna edit this. So like... some, you can edit it out. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna got like three or four more points. All right. So Hitch wishes he could have. Uh, so we're going back to that. Actually, let's go back to the opening scene for a second. The scene between Janet Lee and her lover in bed. Hitch wishes he could have used Janet Lee topless in that opening scene, since John Gavin was. Don't of course, in 1960, there, we were still a few years away from that ever happening. But he specifically mentions in the book he wishes he could have seen like her bare breasts against his chest or something like, like that. Like he gets just really into it. himself wanted to see her bare breasts, or he wanted to put it in the well, movie. Is this like I in the he, movie, I or mean, is this out of the movie? <laughs> I think in, in actuality, it's probably it's probably both. Yeah, he probably want to be a to star, it, don't you? <laughs> and he also realizes that it probably would have helped the film because it would have made it much more interesting. <laughs> All right. Um, I feel like so the censors were on top of him so much that even just the idea of that is kind of outrageous. And it kind of makes me think like why he would even say that if it's just so, it would be so unattainable at that time um, to have, you know, like. Well, don't forget he's talking to Truffaut like five or six years later. So this is around the time where the stuff's starting to happen more. Like yeah. sex and nudity and stuff. Well, I guess he got his frenzy, eh? When was oh, the yeah, first time you yeah. saw like uh, female nudity in film? Like the first, uh, the actual first ever film? I honestly don't know. There were must have been grindhouse. There were grindhouse films. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like, but there was, you're like uh, uh, there's also nudity in German expressionistic films from the twenties. Like I've been watching those lately too, and like in the uh, not Monroe, but. Um, Fritz Lang has a couple where she was like, there's just like a naked model in the background and stuff. Like, there's definitely a nudity in the past, but in the States, I don't know about the States. Yeah. Hitch decided to do this picture after reading the book it was based on and hitting that shower scene, which surprised even him with its suddenness. And that's why he decided to make the film because of the twist that comes through about halfway through. I don't really know where it falls in the book, but I assume it's around the same point. Well, the book uh, was uh, written by Robert Bloch. As we all know, it was based on Ed Gein. Hitchcock, in order to keep the secret, got all of his assistants, right, to go all around and buy every copy so that no one could read it. No one could, like, no one could, uh, you amazing. know. Part of Psycho's legacy is is also in its marketing. It's yeah. One of the I most mean, unique. Once it was yeah. When it was released, he wouldn't let anyone get into the film once it started, right? Like, if he, once yeah. the film started, you can't get into the theater. And Not even the it. Queen, ma'am. Well, I run the office and uh, tend the cabins and grounds and, and do little uh, errands for my mother. The ones she allows I might be capable of doing. Would you go out with friends? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. 
But did you know, like, I, I just found this out doing research, and maybe you're going to get to it, John, so sorry if I'm stepping on you. Okay. But, uh, like, showtimes for movies didn't exist prior to Psycho. Like, if they would, they just, yeah, cinemas would just be, like, a single screen, not, like, multiplexes, and they'd pick one film for the day and just run it all day long with no showtime. Really? Yeah, so, like, this I movie was the first time, like, set scheduled happened for film, like, ever. And really? it's still just today because cinemas realize they can make more money that way. Well, not only that, but you get these glorious scenes, right? Of these like new real footage, uh, news real footage of like these lineups just around the block, yeah. and it really becomes like a blockbuster movie. And we would see that it's... stuff again in the seventies, but nineteen sixty, I mean, like we, we would have seen event film. Well, I mean, we would have seen like Gone with the Wind and stuff, but like this would have. This would have been um, very exciting. It would have been big. Yeah. Would have been big. But um, just the fact, like, it's it changed the way you watch movies in theaters forever. And you know what? Actually, it might have been bigger than Gone with the Wind because, at least from an audience standpoint, because it does have that, you know, twist ending, right? And so it's like, oh, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone, right? And so it, it, it creates a dynamic that I don't think anyone would have really seen before. Where, yeah. oh yeah, I've seen Psycho. It's like, oh, what's well, I wish I could tell you what's about. You have to see it yeah. yourself. Um, and it's also one of the, I mean, maybe Gone with the Wind is like this too, but I don't think so, because I don't love this movie. But it's one of those movies with a big twist that gets better on second viewing, because you start to like pick up on all the little hints and breadcrumbs that are being left along the way. Like it's the first, maybe not the first film, but one of the first films that people would want to go back and see multiple times in theater. Yeah. You know, what the end I mean, I agree with that. I agree with that to a point. I, certainly the second viewing, but then I think uh, subsequent viewings after that, eh, maybe not. Oh, shot. But like, no, in the no, second no. viewing. Hey. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to get into that yet. All right, well, a couple more things. So like Chris has mentioned, the character of Norman Bates is based off of a murder in Wisconsin who kept his mother's body in his house. In other words, Ed Guy, also known as the Butcher of Plainfield. Hitch is kind of wrong about that whole keeping the mother in the house thing, though, because he didn't keep his mom's corpse around. He actually would dig up the corpses of women that looked like his mom and then bring them home. And he also was building himself a skin suit, uh, like in Silence of the Lambs, like they used in that film, to make himself look like his mother, which is just so fucked up, I can't even tell. <laughs> but all right. Kind of hot, too, uh, actually. No, not at all. But okay, if you're into <laughs> it, we got, we got questions. Hitch used that high angle in the scene where... Uh, the where the where Perkins kills the private eye at the top of the stairs uh, to throw the audience off that he was concealing Perkins' face at the time. So if, for instance, he had shot Perkins from behind in that moment without showing the killer's face, rushing at the cop, you would have, as the audience, you would have been suspicious at that moment as to why he wasn't really showing the killer's face. And it's really clever if you think about it because it really works. You don't ever think about why he's hiding the guy's face in that angle. You just think, this, oh, this is a cool angle to kind of like throw this attack at this person. Yeah, but he's really doing it because you don't have to then see the person's face and it's not a question mark. Well, and it's not um, using the same trick as before where it, the face is concealed by shadow, right? In the, in the shower yeah. scene, right? And so we're not like being made aware that we're not supposed to see this person's face. I mean, we, yeah, are, it doesn't like, feel we, like we know enough either. that it's the mother and that's good enough. And so we're yeah. not like questioning that. And if we kept- Yeah, but Hitch's argument is- reveal, reveal, like, If it kept being concealed, yeah. then we'd start being like, oh, well, why is why that is happening? That right? Yeah. Exactly. And then he goes yeah. back that, to that shot too when uh, Norman brings the body down to the fruit cellar. It's like a mirror. Yeah, image for similar reasons. Yeah, exactly. But it's uh, hidden under uh, just a really sweet shot. It's like yeah. it's, it's know, a great shot. Just on it's, it's a own. beautiful yeah, shot. It's, it's you know. and you know what? Okay, let's go to the the shower scene for a second. There oh, were seventy five. One last seventy five. 
Oh, we're not going to like, it's not the last thing we're going to say with the shower scene. I'm just like, I want to get a couple quick points in. There were 75 camera setups for the shower scene. It took seven days to shoot for 45 seconds of film. Hitch originally had a fake body cast made for the sequence that would bleed on command, but he didn't end up using it. Instead, he used the body double for most of it. Only Janet's hand, shoulders, and head were used in that sequence. The rest is always a, bo a body double. Apparently, Hitch chose to shoot the entire film in black and white just so that he didn't have to show red blood in this scene. I'm not sure if that was a censorship issue or simply an aesthetic decision, but that's apparently why he made it. Uh, and the uh, last thing I want to say... He said that it was a, censor uh, a censorship issue yeah. and that uh, in order to create the blood uh, for the movie, he used chocolate syrup. But you also have to look at this at that scene in particular and realize there's really not a lot of blood in that scene. Yeah. Like it's kind oh, of Sean, crazy. You're coming from the Evil Dead age of like. <laughs> no, but I'm I think, not. Like I think I that's like also seen more like. Blood in other movies we've watched, like there really is not. There's it's just going down the drain. Like I mean, really. it's and, also and, and the John, cleaning You it. have a naked woman being stabbed in the bathroom with a butcher's knife. It's slightly I'm not talking different. About the concept. It's like oh, but like we've seen people die in war movies and stuff. It's like this is a little slightly different, I guess, yeah. the circumstances. But it's a good aesthetic choice too to cut as like that's probably the fastest cutting like in any Hitchcock film, I would imagine. Maybe not only that, but like it's probably the most vulnerable kill. Yeah. Up until that but point, it, in movies. It helps like, because you never. There's no like it's just like this. That if there was a definition of like horror movie, and you had like a 10 second clip, whatever, 40 second clip. It would be that. It's yeah. just like that. That is that is, and it happened. Whatever. I'm not, Seventy years ago, not, but it's perfect. I'm but not it also is, you guys at all. I'm just saying that there's not a lot of blood in it. Yeah. Well, it's also smart. That was part of not enough for you, Sean. The sensors because, like, that you never see the knife like slicing skin or actually like penetrating her body. But it's cut so quickly that like you can't be sure what you see and what you don't see. And so you know what? Like, they uh, sliding it past the sensors. It's it, it, it's it's. Uh, tricking you too because what they would do is slice a melon and uh, it would effect. create that sound effect so you, it's tricking like what you're hearing with what you're seeing and uh you, you, your mind is kind of filling in the gaps and it's freaking awesome yeah it makes it way more like visceral and violent than it actually john what else do you have to say about uh, the show last thing i have to say is that psycho was the second biggest box office hit of 1960 can anybody name me the first man for all seasons nope tyler i don't know what Ben-Hur, biblical epic that is Ben-Hur. Can you imagine going to see, can you imagine going to see Ben-Hur and then going to see like Psycho like right after or something? <laughs> like, like a double, like, uh, it's a fun double yeah. feature, yeah. yeah. But that's almost oh, like, that's Hitchcock like following up North by Northwest with Psycho too, you know what I mean? Like some big budget action movie with like this small little thriller in black ben, and white. Well, I mean, as big as North by Northwest is, Ben Hur is so much even. No, I know, but I'm saying like it's Psycho is not necessarily what you would expect Hitchcock to follow up North by Northwest is, especially yeah, considering how much yeah. of a success North by Northwest was. Truffaut also said that this is the last film he thinks that Hitchcock ever felt like he succeeded in, which is sad but true. Did he say that to Hitchcock's face? No, he said it in his little write-up at the end of the book, okay. where he's like, "I think I, after talking with Hitchcock years later, I think this is the last time he was happy." Well, I think that was probably the top of the mountain for him. Yeah. yeah. You know. This also, I, he took like a back end on this instead of like a upfront paycheck. So I think this was his biggest payday ever. Like I think he had to put up a lot of money too for it. Uh, no, he paid for this whole thing, man. He yeah, put in, it, the, the budget of the film was $800,000. The film ended up making 15 million. 50. Which doesn't, no, 15. It doesn't sound like a lot, I know. <laughs> 
It says, and that's what he says in the Truffaut book. It might have made more after the Truffaut book, but he says it made oh, like re-release and all that right. stuff. Yeah. Um, but he only it only cost eight hundred thousand dollars, which is insane. Really. That's insane. Yeah. Well, that's because he used his TV crew, uh, yeah. the yeah. Hitchcock uh, presents TV crew to basically. You know they have these resources let's uh make a really low budget movie and you can tell that it's pretty low budget i mean not distractingly so but there's a lot of like indoor stuff um you know there's that set of the motel and, and the house which is obviously like the big thing but it's it, you know they could have probably had there's a, a lot of already there on there's set. a lot of uh a lot of tight framing when it's just characters like and that's yeah. usually a sign of like, creative framing too like, you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah definitely i mean with we'll some really cool angles film noir stuff yeah some cool little like set design or like set dressing stuff too like shit that's in the background all right why don't we that, though but really shocking decisions too like that really close close up like on, on, on the eye? eye yeah like yeah. that's like i don't know like that that's like european stuff and and uh quite shocking well, he was match cutting with the drain, right? Yeah, that's interesting. No, no. Oh, uh, that too. But you're talking uh, when he's first spying on her, like when she's yeah. undressing. And it has like that, like super uh, close up of him peering into the uh, hole yeah. wall. with like the light from the hotel yes. from Marion's room lighting his eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, Sean, the show you're talking about was very cool too when it goes from the drain to like the slow zoom match out of Marion. I think what I'm saying is actually cooler, but um... <laughs> people always call him Madhouse someplace, don't they? Put her in some place. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to sound uncaring. What do you know about caring? Have you ever seen the inside of one of those places? The laughing and the tears. And the cruel eyes studying you. My mother there. But she's harmless. She's as harmless as one of those stuffed birds. I am sorry. Uh, why don't we let Tyler talk about why he chose Vertigo as his pick overall, where he thinks it, well, not necessarily where he thinks he should well, go, but why did he choose first? I just have a great idea. Tyler, Yeah. you should listen to what Sean just said. Is your great idea just to listen to what Sean said? Yes. I hope so. Yeah. That's a great idea, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I picked Psycho. This film, we've been talking about a lot how Hitchcock kind of... I'm losing my mind, by the way, with all this freaking just Hitchcock crap. I'm kind it. of glad this is the last episode of it. It's got to make it through like another... I love it. I love Hitchcock. So maybe I should just have Tyler just like, okay, quickly, Tyler, let's just... I yeah, won't well, we interrupt anymore. I know. I'm going to let him. But like, I'm so... Like we've mentioned in the past couple of weeks, Hitch has been building on his past success in each film and seeing what works and adding it to it and making his films better and better as it goes along. I think this is really the culmination of all of that. Uh, Psycho deals with a murderer, criminal protagonist, kind of like the Laundry does, like we talked about earlier. He's got that kissing while talking scene right off the bat, like he learned how to get past the censors with the Notorious. He Wait, what, do you, oh, sorry, what did you mean by that? Because you, you mentioned that in the last episode too. What kissing while talking is like being like a secret that you can get past uh, censors. Yeah, because that's how he used to sneak like really long, intimate kissing scenes past the censors by having them break up the kissing to talk about like mundane Remember stuff. He, he started in notorious with it, yeah. right? With but the, he goes back to it in Rear Window and uh, what do we want? North by Northwest because and the censors were so so weird in that sense where you probably could only kiss for what like two 
three and a half seconds. It's like yeah. you can't be on the same bed. You have to be one person's feet has to be on the ground. Like, yeah. There's just so many like little Clothes or weird whatever. rules. Yeah. At um, some point, the sensors had to lax, right? And, and probably they right. did over gradually. They over might time. have been now, lax where by they this were point, specifically but, at yeah. this point. Yeah, I don't know. But was I'm just saying this is another fact of. Uh, yeah, there was reading system in place at this time. Or was it just adult admission uh, and uh, uh, yeah, rating admission. systems were in place. No rating systems were in place. So what ratings like, were Because uh, this wouldn't have been rated R. It, it would have been like PG and G's and R. Like it would have been that kind of stuff. Or it would have been, been R. It would have been like, I think it was like 17 or something back then. I don't know exactly. I can't remember, but. I'm pretty sure the ratings were like the 30s. I think the 30s came ratings came into play somewhere around there. I think it was the but, 70s. No, dude, not the 70s. No, that was when like PG. I think it was after. Around, it like, was after uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Indiana Jones 2 yeah. was PG 13. Yes. Um, so it looks like Psycho got an M rating for mature. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you should yeah. have been able to watch this movie, Sean. I know. So, I mean, neither Tyler Third either, Tesla, right? Because he yeah, didn't like Vertigo either. So, we're neither of us are mature because we did not like Vertigo. All right, we know, Chris. The joke's all washed up. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was, oh I really... Uh, um, uh, let, let Tyler continue. All right, car right carrying on on things I noticed from older Hitchcock films we watched that he utilizes well in this is in your window, he does that shot where it goes from Jimmy Stewart's legs to the... Uh, photographs on the wall of the thing crashing, mm -hmm. kind of a show, don't tell. He does something similar here where he pushes in on the money and the envelope and then pans right over to Marion packing up all her clothes on the bed so you know she's going to take this money and run without saying anything. You've got Marion's voiceover in her head as she's driving, thinking about what the other people are saying about her, very similar to Bruno making his escape after killing the first woman in uh, Strangers on a Train. Uh, deep psychological issues, split personalities, we're talking vertigo, you've got killing off the main character, which he did a year earlier in North for Northwest, although he pulled a bit of a switcheroo with that, but it's uh, another thing that he kind of learned worked well and grabbed the audience, so he's repeating it again here, only going all the way with it. Um, outside of just influenced by his own work, like I think this film has two great death scenes in film, the shower scene and Arbogast going down the stairs scene, the private eye. Like, probably um, the best two kills in horror movie history, really. Yeah, like, they're like so one and two. Both of those are iconic, yeah. Uh, they're iconic. I don't know if they're one and two, but they're definitely... Oh, okay. they're, they're one on of, the list. One, one of them be, is definitely on, high on the list, for sure. There should be I, a, I mean, sort of auditory foot. I mean, the shower scene, the shower John's scene. Pissed. I mean, obviously it's the shower scene. No, no, I'm not... Like the stair, the stair no, I think the stair scene is awesome, but I don't think yeah. it's, like, not whatever i mean it's, it's a great scene but it's not the shower scene and i'm like it's if you not, gotta no, go through the good, history of still, all horror films ever you can't just give that but scene. the fact that you can have two great destinies in one movie is impressive they're probably two hitchcock's two best death scenes and they're in the same movie yeah. i mean yeah exactly. uh topaz the I, no these are better yeah. these are better these the are shots better. Cool. uh it's more it's more like <laughs> Poetic or yeah, it's like, like these are still. I mean, like, okay, then maybe like that bumps like the shit. At worst, bumps the private eye down to three. Okay, like at worst, but mm. like, you know, I, I still probably put the private eye too. I also think this film has two great twists in a movie: the ending where you find out Norman Bates has been his mother, cross-dressing all along, and killing off your main character forty minutes in. Like, you you would not see that coming in nineteen sixty. Even today, you don't really see that coming. Yeah, mm -hmm. and again, to pull off two in the same film is mind blowing. 
uh, two great pieces of music. The shower music is obviously iconic, but I think the psycho theme that's played quite often when Mary's driving and in the opening credits is really just beautiful. Quite, you know what, kind of a weird, it's like really playing quite loudly in the mix. It's a very dissonant, like, theme. Yeah, it's, like it's just, strong. it's so... No, 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 like, when, like, when, he, when, he's, when she's driving, it's like, da 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 Well, that's the... But it's because it's such like an angle, it, it causes he's you trying, anxiety yeah, he's, music. Like, it's... Because it comes in too, right, when her boss sees her at that stoplight, right? Like, that music hits mm-hmm. you all of a sudden. But the music's awesome so effective. Albert Hitchcock would have known while filming Psycho, that Bernard Herrmann is going to just kill it so profoundly with the Psycho theme that he oh, would... He has worked with him. He would like trust five, uh, sequences five, like that where she's just driving. And he's like, okay, well, don't worry, because Bernard Herrmann's going to will crush it, yeah. Or was there, I like... I read somewhere that originally uh, Hitch wanted to do the shower scene, like, silent, like, no sound, no music at all. And then Bernard Herrmann scored it anyways, and Hitchcock was like, holy shit, like, that's staying yeah. in the movie. But let me just ask you, just... It's a great, it, it's a great theme. Do you think, do you think Hitchcock knew the music that he was going to add to the scenes, like the driving sequence with Marion driving away from Phoenix, uh, where it's just like literally her drive, like kind of for a long time too. And there's nothing happening except for the music. And so he put so much emphasis on those, the like- music. You've got those cool voiceovers too of her, like. Oh, I would, ve- I would not on, use uh, the word "cool" to describe. I think they're pretty interesting because you can make the argument because they're not actually happening, right? It's just it's her, a tough it's call in her head. Those are in her it's, head. Yeah, it's her paranoia building up. Yeah, but that's the only time it, we see it, though. The voiceovers. Why, 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 why aren't we like hearing that from Norman Bates later on, or like the paranoia? Well, of, I, like, you say you hear it from Norman Bates, and that his mother's talking to him. It was just a very. It's a cheat. You know what it is? It's a cheat to make you know. It's a cheat as a as a filmmaker and as a storyteller to make you really associate with the character of Marion very quickly, so right. that you care about her when she dies at thirty minutes in. And it's a but bit I of a cheat. It's... it's a bit of a cheat, and it's like it's it, it is very thematically relevant. And some of the things she says says is interesting. She delivers it pretty well. It's a cheap, but it, but it adds tough. to the paranoia of the film because it's not what's actually happening. Like she's not here. These these conversations aren't actually no, going. She's on. smiling. She's it's not a paranoia thing. She's like imagining. She the gets Texas to that guy. point, Chris. Though and she gets to that not, point. Not she's when not she's smiling first the entire way. Like this is shortly after the cop is watching her <clears> and she gets the new car. But then she gets that like fucking. But self, that's not the voice of confidence. Oh, that does pop back. I was thinking of yeah. Her boss, the Texas. She like talks herself up. She talks herself up to a point where she's like, "I'm gonna get away with this." Well, it's like, oh, and she was flirting with me, and like she was like smiling from that because. Yeah, that's after because, uh, or that's when. um, Yeah, what happens to facilitate her like spiral when she starts like like really worrying with it in the first place? Because I can't. Like it's kind of weird too. That cop literally just stalks her for like what 10 minutes and yeah just, he stalks her and kind of like but like why would you why would you why would you buy another car with like the cop in front of the cop you know yeah it's weird that he stalks yeah. her that much it was weird it's like she's just this like chick who like pulled over to fall asleep inside of her like it's like she, she should act a little weird the but... car she, it's like she was buying the car to escape the police kind of thing and she's <laughs> buying the car literally in front of the cop as oh, staring at her but that's also like something they need, I think, later on for the film, right? With like the, we're, you kind of have to know the film because when it's, they pull it up at the end, it's the last yeah. image of like this, the, the license plate. And you have to kind of like associate an imprint on the car a bit to make that last image like be indelible. I but, think it sets um, up. Why like, does she buy the car? Too. Why does she buy I think, the car? I think she gets a car so it sets up the plot points so they can follow her path once she's disappeared. You know what I mean? Like you need to leave 
it's for the plot, but you need to leave like breadcrumbs so that they can follow her and get to Bates Motel yeah, eventually. So that's just a storytelling device. So. That, that's my guess. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And this film's full of that too, which is good in a sense, but it's kind of like back to like Notorious and like the clockwork of it, where it's just like, it's so intricate that it's just like, it's just, it's just a little too, it's a little too intricate. Well, little you're saying it's a little too smart for its own good, Sean. A little bit, but well, I, mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think, I think you know what? I think your synopsis earlier was too effective. smart for its own good, personally. I think yours hit on some points that maybe Hitchcock forgot. But we'll, uh, we could, for those with our Patreon account uh, premium package, you can revisit uh, Sean's earlier comments uh, by pressing what were my earlier comments now. <laughs> Saying that he traced her to that motel out on the old highway. That must be the Bates Motel. He traced her there and called us to say he was going to question Mrs. Bates. Norman took a wife? No, I don't think so. Uh, an old woman, uh, his mother. Well, anyway, that was early this evening. We haven't seen or heard from him since. How? Your sister's missing how long? Well, she left Phoenix a week ago yesterday without a trace. How'd you and this detective come to trace her to Fairvale? I thought you'd be coming to me. Two small good things that I like about this film. I like that when Marion's first killed and Norman finds the body, he immediately gets to cleaning it up. It implies without saying anything that he's done this before. It's not the yeah. first person to be killed in Bates Motel. It's pretty, he's pretty efficient. Backstory, yeah. He's not even like, oh fuck, like he's, he's surprised-ish, but he gets to work right away. Systematic situation. And I love in that scene, uh, like as he's cleaning up the body, that he takes the money and throws it out as well. Like that's probably the closest I don't think thing. You, I don't think you, he realizes that it is. He doesn't, yeah, but it doesn't matter, right? Like I'm saying, that's the closest thing we have to a MacGuffin in this story. And at that point, Hitchcock's basically saying like, what you thought was gonna happen in this movie is not what's gonna happen. We're into a totally different thing now. I'm telling you a totally different story totally different genre, totally different style, totally different point of view. Everything, you, what you thought was the main important thing in this film, I'm literally throwing it away with a dead body. Buckle up, we're going on to the next 40 minutes of crazy Norman Bates. But that, Chris, what do you what do you like about it, Chris? Yeah, Is there anything you like about it? There's very little I like about the movie Psycho. One of the most exciting first watches that I've ever had. When I, when I first saw Psycho, really? I actually remember where I was. Oh, I was not scared or anything. I was just excited. Like, this is so exciting. Like, you know, and I think it has a lot to do with the pacing because it takes so much time and it's such a slow burn. But then things start happening exponentially. The first time I watched this movie, I was like extremely disappointed in it, to be completely honest. I mean, that bears no, like, I think this movie's amazing. I mean, yeah. I don't feel that way now. But the first time I watched this film, I was so disappointed. Because like everyone, like on every list you ever read, it's like the best horror film of all time or it's near the top of the list and whatnot. How old were you? Like, I, I was young. I was like 14-ish. Like I was at the age where I was used to like horror films where there's like lots of blood and stuff, where there's lots of violence and blood That's probably and how you quantify the scariness. That's probably how you quantify As a teenager, absolutely. As, yeah, absolutely. I guess like the cool thing and maybe like negative thing about how much this film has endured over the years. Well, I remember watching this movie for the first time when I was like 12 or 13, having never seen it before, still knowing, watch out for the shower scene. Like that's what I was waiting for. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't know like beat for beat what yeah. was gonna happen, but like as a, I don't even know how as a 12 year old boy, I know, watch out for the shower scene. It's like, oh, but that's what I'm waiting for. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this movie more than recent ones that we've looked at really kind of drives the idea that Ev Hitchcock never, he just never stopped 
basically making his movies silent, like as, as silent films. His movies are all pretty much silent films as being the best part of the movie. And I think the dialogue is always subservient to the, the actual visual style. And the first half hour with Marion, especially, that's true. And like that first half hour, he spends so much with just her. And so he's using the camera as like her partner mm -hmm. so much. When he's There's looking so at much he's tracking stuff. Yeah, he's Ears, tracking everything. Reflections. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Is this like, and, and you know what? Yeah, and that's that kind, the kind of, of stuff goes away towards the end. And it kind of disappoints me a bit because I would want, like, once you get to Norman's story, it gets a little more generic with like the stuff with like the sister and the blubber looking for and stuff and like the cop and like. It just becomes this very kind of like more like basic detective like. Find no, the I would killer. say the first movie is is a, it's what like like a romance thing. Second movie is like a mystery, and then I'm talking purely like technically horror. in terms of the use yeah. of the camera and stuff. He's not he's not inventive with it at the end of the film. There really. are some cool bits it's though with stylistic uh, choices without sound, like that push in on Norman when the Arbogast first shows up, or like when Norman is trying to sink her car in the tar pits and it like stops and looks like it's he's just chewing that gum. Man. Man. He's just like, oh fuck, yeah. It's such like it <laughs> says so much without any words. Just I, I think the the favorite shot for me towards the end of the film. Is that angle where he's like looking over the book and he's chewing the gum where he's like looking at the the blog or something while the detective's looking at it and he's just like he angles it so he's right under the chin for some reason just so you can get that connotation that he's like a bird like the things he stops in the <laughs> office right because yeah. he gets that uh that undershadow of the nose just right to make this beak on on norman it's just like and he's just chewing the the, the gum so quickly to make it look like a baby bird feeding or something like it's just it's so fucking creepy just sit and stare like one of his stuffed birds. Oh, they know I can't even move a finger, and I won't. I'll just sit here and be quiet, just in case they do suspect me. They're probably watching me. Well, let them. Let them see what kind of a person I am. I'm not even gonna swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know and they'll say, why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Did you notice the ADR in the first scene is awful? Like, it's awful. Yes, like, it is. It is terrible. It I is thought so it was my TV. Completely I wasn't dumb. even going to mention that. And it was just like, what is going on this scene? I never noticed that before. But that's but, like, because it's so the first scene at the, first scene at the motel or the first scene yeah, yeah, in the motel? The first scene we, yeah. when they're in the in their bed in the bedroom. They must have had oh, to censor the dialogue so much in that scene that they were just like, fuck it, let's just ADR the entire goddamn But you know thing. what, though, Sean? Because, I don't like, think they were making so... these movies with, like, 4K TVs in mind where you're yeah. standing, like, three Nah, but, dude, like, you like, one year ever. Like, I don't that know scene. how much of this was, like, existed back then and how much was in, like, when they remaster all this shit, too. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff they have to go back and I mean, I guess. I mean, it's not, it's not an excuse probably... one way or the other. I just don't know. Maybe it was fine in 1960 when they remastered it's just, it. None of the other I scenes are like that, right? So yeah. you would think, like, there must have been some fault with the, the negative of that film or yeah. like, the soundtrack or whatever that caused that. Either that or that is just the entire scene was redubbed. And there's just something off about the dialogue in that entire scene. And then, the, and then later on, the Marion's in the hotel and he just she hears this dialogue. And it sounds even better than this dialogue, that entire first scene for some reason yeah. it's just compounded by that like, i did no, notice in that scene because i was at first i was like and this says this is not an excuse for it, but uh i was like how could you really hear them from all the way down in the motel up on the house but i did like that it was like pouring rain when she got there and then it stopped by the time norman goes up it's just like a nice uh 
sort of unmentioned transition to explain like why she could hear things that she couldn't hear. travels as well, right? But like, yeah, it's just kind of, it's just, it's just like, it's just, it's so crystal clear. They're just like back. It's like they're, they're in the room right next to her. This might be one of the most beautiful black and white movies though, eh? It is just gorgeous looking. It is definitely gorgeous looking. so sharp, so in focus. yeah. Oh. I have a 4K TV and I don't have a 4K player, so the movie I was watching wasn't technically in 4K. Cool. But like, it just, it looks amazing still. But, um, yeah, you're such a fucking dick, man. You're such a, you're such a <laughs> fucking skin, <Don. laughs> fucking skinheaded dick. God All right. damn it. All right. Yeah. Don't make my skinhead being friends a, go after Being you. a skinhead has changed you, man. It yeah, fucking it's made you a lot better and smarter. Yeah, is that it? Is that it? Is it? <laughs> Well, more powerful too. Uh, what sure. else do you not like about it, Chris? Is there anything else? Elephant in the room. Like when we don't like it, the ending <laughs> is like the worst ending. Straight up. Tyler, you know it is. Okay? Uh, what do you, do you, what do you mean It's like Columbo coming out of nowhere. Someone we've never even oh, seen Oh, that, before. yeah, I don't like that. Wouldn't oh, that have been so much scene. nicer if it was the sheriff? Someone that we've actually seen before? Oh, he's like, no, this is like, the doctor from a, Harvard that is, is going to explain ending. everything. Yeah, it's, it's like, very, uh, Wait, 10 minute interrogation, he's like, and then the doctor comes in, like, and that's when he knew growing up that his yeah, it's life very, was yeah, over. Like, I but do doctor, like wasn't that, that no? Because he was confused at the time. <laughs> we, we've got to let Chris reenact the entire scene, Tyler. All right, go do the whole right. we'll scene. <laughs> but like, I do, I like that, that exposition heavy. Like, it's just a terrible scene. It reminds me of that scene. It never have happened. Fuck. What was what was the movie we were watching? Or the, oh, Vertigo. No, Vertigo, where they do that wrap-up scene, like with Jimmy in the court. Like, oh, it's just this totally yeah. unnecessary expositional scene that for some reason they just like to throw in every once in a while. Like oh, we're it's not Jimmy, following it's along Jimmy with Stewart, the plot. Uh, spe- end speech. Classic. I do Jimmy. like... I do like a few of the things that are revealed in that speech, but it is a very clunky, awkward, out of place uh, scene. But the very, very ending with Norman, like, here. Yeah, the final shot almost makes up for it all, but it doesn't quite. If the movie was rope, it would be Jimmy Stewart, who we haven't seen before, coming in and doing his speech (laughs) and getting to the end movie. It's like, what? If he could have got Jimmy Stewart for that role, he definitely would have. God, that would have been so... You've taken my mother's corpse and I screwed you over with North by Northwest. I know that now. You're the psychologist. I didn't give you my best film of all time. Oh my gosh. It's, 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 you know what? And there's some weird overacting too. Do we not think that the twist itself is a little weakness at some point? I mean, no, 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 I think, no, no, no. How is that a weakness? That's the greatest thing. It is at some point, though. Like, it's like on the second viewing and third viewing, yeah, okay, you're picking up on everything. But like, it kind of at some point starts to ruin the actual good part of this film, which is its opening 30 minutes. Like, because it makes it so irrelevant. Because those 30 minutes are completely irrelevant to what comes next to. Like, they're In completely irrelevant. Innocent. Until she gets to the hotel, until she everything's gets to the irrelevant. Hotel. I mean, she needs until a she reason to get to the hotel, yeah. But it's still, yeah, like, but it's totally still irrelevant. fun suspense. Because like, it takes could... up almost half the film. Yeah, almost. But, it's, like, but you need that to care for her as well, because then you get your first great twist in the movie, which is killing off a main character that you spent so much time building yeah, up to the audience. I'm just playing devil's advocate, you know? I do feel yeah. like sometimes I'm watching the first half of this film, and I'm just like, what's the point? But it does look awesome. And then I get to the last half of the film, and I'm like, oh, good. This is where it's really, really going to kick in. And then I realize, wait, this isn't really when it kicks in. This is when it gets bad, because you get these scenes with the sheriff. It's kind of like, oh, unnecessary and redundant. Oh, I like the stuff in the nah, show. Yeah, it becomes like a little, heart. like... Like it really feels like a He undercuts the, he oh, undercuts no, the no. twist. He no, gives it man. away before the oh, fucking twist. Sean, you screw he everything. He gives it away. Okay. Sean, 
but Norman Bates' mother's been dead for 20 years. <laughs> I don't give a shit about that line. It's making it more exciting. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. Now you know that. Now it's as a mystery. He's like, so who's that woman that we were looking at? Yeah. John, do I have to tell you about friggin' life again? <laughs> I just feel like you could get away. You don't need that scene. The film doesn't really lose anything. Um, so where is it going to stand on everyone's list? That's the one thing that's going to conclude this entire... Wait, wait, I'm not quite down with what I don't like. I think I... the people have heard enough about you. <laughs> that's it. I mean, honestly, okay, so where are you going to... Wait, wait, let's... Obviously, where's Tyler? So this uh, is going to go with, with no surprise, wait. but I think that this film, uh, not every film reaches the level of success in, in popular culture as Psycho has. Uh, certainly not another Hitchcock film has. This movie is 60 years old. You still have TV shows coming out based on these characters based on these backstories. In fairness, yeah. it's not you still have, the, it's like there has just been a show. Okay, there has just been, been 50 years later. Yeah, there's just a show, been a, a revisit, show based okay. on that character. All right, all right. right. Where are you, where are you playing? Uh, uh, hang on, hang on. You, you, can, you get a film, you get a major studio financing a shot for shot remake. You have the house that still stands on the Universal Studio Tour that people come by and see every day. This film has stood the test of time. There's still an appetite for it 60 years after it's been made. You see its influence on slasher films, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Scream. Are you saying it's a uh, cash cow? It's a, I'm sure it's a cash cow, but it's influential. And it's, you see it in The Shining. You see it even like Raging Bull, things that aren't horror films being influenced. You know what else is a cash cow? The... Popcorn. Yeah, popcorn. Popcorn and Psycho go together really well. No other... And... This film is undeniably Hitchcock's best film. It's, it's Undeniably? It's a... Come yeah. on. If you're nah, I can't say it's it, subjectively but, his but, best but film. But no, but let him finish. Where's he well, going? If it's not, if it's not his best film, what other film? Well, we're about to get into that. I'm going number one for this film. It's the most influential film Hitchcock has ever made. It's stood the test okay. of time better than number anything one. else. It's proven that there's still an appetite for this movie 60 years later. And should we find out? Okay, can we can we just note where what we got listed so far like what what's the uh, standings just so that we have kind of perspective yeah, tyler will look that up while you tell us where you think yeah. this film goes chris john no it's your turn man i oh you want me to go first i'd okay. love for you to uh all right sure fine i'll go first uh this is tough uh psycho is a fantastic film uh there's no if answer but it, it deserves to be near the top of the list it's just i i can't put it at the very top i just can't I think the somewhat gimmicky nature of the plot and the lack of abundance of really frightening moments on repeat viewings past a certain threshold, it makes it kind of a chore to watch it sometimes. Oh, I think that okay, that's a little bit. It does a little bit. I'm not going to. You're an asshole, Sean. You did not need to say that. Asshole. Oh, so look, I think North by Northwest is number one. So that's going number one. That means, is this going to go number two? Uh, I don't know. Somehow Notorious is currently number three on our list, I think, Rear right now. Window. And, could be number, number no, I, yeah, I know. And Notorious yeah, is number three, right? Yeah. And there's just no question in my mind that Psycho is better than Notorious. So it's got to go at least like number three. So that just leaves me the question is that, is it better than Rear Window? And that's, that's really tough. Um, I think that Rear Window holds up better on repeat viewings. Okay, let me it's just not, it, it's not It's not as entertaining as Psycho. All right, was. Th this is how I rate it. Uh, North by Northwest <laughs> number one, <laughs> Rear Window number two, Psycho number three, Notorious number four and, and whatever. So, so Sean, it's up to you, man. But you're the deciding <laughs> You want to get that in. You're the deciding uh, vote right now. Uh, he just wanted because he knew that I was going. And Karen's, this is going to change Karen's world. <laughs> uh, what tips right. the scales in Psycho's favor is that a weird window doesn't have a character as good as Norman Bates. So I've ultimately got to give Psycho the number two Such spot. I'm sorry, Chris. 
<laughs> so I think so, that makes it number two. Yeah, that makes it number two based on uh, law of averages. So our finalist. Yeah, so you know what? I would just like to point out that the treaty that I had with Sean was fucking shit. He pricked me with the whole North by Northwest thing last night. I had a decision. I had a decision to make rear window number one and North by North by Northwest number two. He fucked with me. And you know what? <laughs> I'm done with fucking take two plus. I'm done with all the assholes. I'm done with That's all it. the fucking shit.